0: You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. Of a money night. The night for people to receive, people to be empowered in Jesus' name. But tonight, the first month of the year, I want us to set something in motion. By We're going to declare some things, we're going to pray for some things, and we are going to take a position, our position in a spiritual world to declare those things in the spiritual world for our church for our own finances and for the businesses in our church in Jesus name I travel uh, a little bit more often than some of you guys in other churches and I have a chance to share our story I have a chance to share a little bit of what God is doing in our church people that we have on the staff the kind of projects that we undertake as a church without the outside help I'm going to tell you one thing is that I get response from everyone typically and this response is this, is that people are amazed and surprised with how our church is able to pull what it pulls. And when they find out that majority of our church is younger people, it even shocks them. A lot of pastors today, they are afraid of the vision that God has given to them for one reason, is because it might upset the retired folk. the retired folk are the only one giving and they are afraid to give youth any kind of voice in the church because if you give youth a little bit of voice many times what would happen is that the people who actually sponsor things in the church just at least a little bit will be upset and they'll stop stop sponsoring and i remember two weeks ago when i was speaking it was just just bunch of pastors and i explained how our pastor went not with where the money was but where the vision was and God raised up the young people and God brought the money you know because everywhere there is vision there will always be provision everywhere you chase the provision first within the ministry and not the vision you know sooner or later the people who are maybe too very old who have a little bit of money today tomorrow they're going to die and they're going to take you with them and so we really, really appreciate and really honor our pastor. Is that he didn't follow first where the money was; he followed first where the vision was. And then today, seeing young people rise up and the way they give, the way they sacrifice—it's—it's it's just mind blowing. I mean, when even a person who still lives in the apartments win, wins wins the case. And I'm not going to mention a name or give any details because that's, that's this person's testimony. Wins a case and you know, wins a case for $20,000 and still lives in the apartments. Perfect opportunity to put a down payment and takes all of that money and brings it in the offering basket as a covenant with God for something bigger. Now that, that, is, that is not natural and that's the person that just not long ago wasn't even didn't even grow up in church to see people kind of like one after one young businessmen doing that guys I'm going to tell you one thing it's the years of right teaching of also right living modeling that to our people in Jesus name that it starts creating and this is just the beginning our desire is not like what people sometimes say with the pastor is filthy rich and the people are poor our desire is that we raise the people is the people in our church prosper and of course may the Lord not forget the pastor because <laughs> it's not going to be right if people are prospering and pastors not prospering come on people amen but it's also not right when pastor is prospering and people are struggling amen and so that's why you see many times you know even myself you know that we give cars we give cars away that we give things away so that we raise the level of living in our people and God will begin to challenge us to raise the level of our giving in Jesus name amen and so right now I just want to just share a few simple things about the 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 vision that we have for the prosperity the word prosperity freaks many people out it it there's like this thing that can go through here it gets stuck right there, and it's not the unbelievers that get struggling with this, it's the people who grew up in the religious system. And partially why is because the church has lost the main mission, the main message of Jesus. Jesus did not preach about healing, he did not preach about deliverance, and he didn't even preach about salvation. His main message, the one thing that Jesus talked all the time about, was about the kingdom he did healing but he didn't preach on healing he did deliverance but he didn't preach on deliverance he did the saving but he didn't preach on salvation his main message the word that Jesus always used is the kingdom living in democracy living in the United States where everything is by the people for the people and through the people everything is people the how the president gets the votes is say it's going to be government is going to be tossed to you guys you guys going to choose everything living in that kind of country word kingdom it literally flips over our mind and everything and that's why prosperity is a struggle because we see the gospel we see the christianity through the lenses of democracy we see it through the lenses of religion we see it through the lenses of Catholicism, protest Charismaniatism, you know Pentecostalism we see that through that lenses and so in those lenses it's been taught that you have to be poor you have to be or you have to be rich and everything through the gospel of the kingdom when you understand the kingdom the issue of prosperity is no longer an issue it's very clear Jesus did not preach on prosperity he preached on the kingdom because when you understand the kingdom you understand prosperity you understand healing you understand deliverance and you understand salvation and that's why he taught the most about the kingdom in the kingdom it's very simple the king is never gets voted into power he's born he never gets voted out of the power his word is not debated on the night news his word is Constitution his word he said it that's it there's no debate there's no what if we amendments none of that stuff that's the king And the most beautiful thing about the kingdom is the king's glory is always attached to the wealth of his citizens. You judge the glory of the king, not by the fanciness of his food, his clothing, or the size of his mansion. The glory of the king was always measured on how the lowest citizen in his kingdom lives. That's why Jesus says, when you bear much fruit, my father is glorified god's glory is attached to the wealth or well-being of his citizen god doesn't have members he has citizens see when we think of religion when we think of our faith we think of members i'm a member of the goodness church but you're not a member of god's kingdom you're a citizen of god's kingdom and god is the king he takes full responsibility for his citizen when we begin to look at the message of jesus the way jesus presented it the issue of prosperity begins to take its proper place even the verse that we have posted here the verse that is quoted so many times after these things says the Lord I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh after what things in Joel if you read carefully after these things God said which things if you read just a little bit before you will see where God says what locusts and other spiders ate I will restore sevenfold and then he says after these things means after financial radical restoration I will pour out my spirit so that means before there comes a revival of the Holy Spirit there has to be a renewal of our mind concerning what the devil has stolen and God's will not just to give us back enough to survive but seven times more God wants to renew our understanding concerning that. The money is the thing that Satan is the last thing if you study how Israel got out of Egypt. You know, Pharaoh first said no, then he says, you can go. Take the, but keep the children. Then they fought for their children. And then lastly, he says, finally, you can go grab your children, but leave, leave your livestock and your possessions here. There's these two things that Satan will always fight for. It's to take your family. And if he cannot win your family, he will do everything he can to take your finances. And Pharaoh did exactly that. And Moses told Pharaoh this, he said, we are leaving and we are not only taking our possessions, our houses, and all of our stuff. We are taking every last hoof of every horse and of every animal. We're not giving you a hoof. For many of us, we've given him a whole horse in our understanding. God wants to renew our understanding and challenge our understanding that not even a hoof is given to the devil. The problem happens with us is that many times we view, and especially of us who grew up in, in uh, Christian faith, is that we, t- we have scriptures that people have taken out of the context. And these scriptures have jammed our, uh, our view of how God sees our financial situation. Scriptures, for example, about how Jesus said things like that, it's hard for people who are rich to go to heaven and these scriptures and similar as these people take out of the context many times and they build a doctrine around them instead of putting these scriptures in the light of creation in the light of how God is his name El Shaddai God or more than enough Jehovah Jireh the God who provides and putting in the light of the creation of the world in the creation of heaven and where we're going to be people take things out of the context and next thing that happens is they build the theories on it one of the strongest confusions Satan can send into our life is not when he uses the Hollywood to confuse us it's when he uses the holy word to confuse us he did it with Jesus and he will do that with you and me he will take a scripture out of the context and mess with it Bible condemns wealth for three reasons the first one the love for it Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil well the love of everything is the root of all evil If it comes before God. The second one is the trust in it, means when you trust in it more than you trust in God, that becomes evil. Well, we know that if we trust in anything other than God, it becomes evil. The scripture that always confused me that I couldn't swallow is the scripture where Jesus says, It is hard, he said, It is impossible for the rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And you think that wasn't confusing enough, then Jesus says, It's almost like putting a camel through the eye of the needle. I remember I heard the story that in Israel there is this special gate where the camel had to bend on its knees and then go through that eye of the needle. Then I heard it from the Jewish scholars, they said there is no gate in Jerusalem like that. There has never been a gate like that. It's just the Westerns try to somehow make the scripture easier to swallow, created something that if a camel really gets on his knees then he can get through the eye of the needle. He said in the Jewish history that the eye of the needle actually means the eye of the needle that you used to sew. So for the rich man to go into heaven is equivalent to a camel going through the eye of the needle which is impossible. That's what the disciples says, who can be saved afterwards? And guess what Jesus replied, with men it's impossible but it's possible with God. What does that mean? I mean, nobody goes to heaven because they're rich and nobody goes to heaven because they're good. People only go to heaven because God saves them. It's a very simple explanation. And I remember when, I think it was Robert Morris, when he explained that, it was a while ago when I was listening to teaching, it just light clicked. I no longer look at that scripture as something that the view of prosperity, as something that Jesus was against. Jesus was very clear. You don't go to heaven as a rich man. You don't go to heaven as a poor man. You don't go to, to heaven as a Christian. You go to heaven as a believer in him and as a forgiven person. The third reason why wealth was condemned in the Bible was because of the way people obtained wealth which was by duping people, cutting corners, lying, cheating. You know, Judas did, Achan did, we know that King Saul did, that we know that other people, the way they obtain wealth, that's how God condemns those things. But the only thing that Jesus talked more than money in the Bible was the kingdom of heaven. After the kingdom of heaven, the topic that was talked more, and I've read this, 2,350 verses in the Bible is about money twice as much as on faith and prayer combined 15% of everything Jesus taught was on money more than hell and heaven combined one-third of his parables dealt with money 16 out of 38 parables to be precise one out of seven verses in the three Gospels dealt with finances and the only subject Jesus spoke more than money was the kingdom of God so if you would go to Jesus meeting you would hear one thing kingdom 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 and the other thing that you would hear is money possessions money sometimes people come and say you guys talk a lot about money not enough according to Jesus not enough because Jesus dealt with it we spent eight hours uh, with it and uh, somebody did a little uh, thing of who rules the world from Adam to promised land families rule the world from Joshua to Jesus's death Armies rule the world, and a lot of movies are made about them. From Rome to Middle Ages, religion ruled the world, from Middle Ages to communism, politics ruled the world, and from communists till now, business rules the world. We have the golden rule. Whoever has the gold makes the rules. That's the world we're living in today, where money answers for everything. And so There's many scriptures that you guys have heard and we've heard about the resources and the finances. Um, Those of us who are watching and we have as we have more businesses coming up in our church, um, we don't want to use the church to promote the business. We want to use the church to empower the businessmen. we don't want to use the church to promote the business especially nowadays you know we have a slack and we have other things and and a lot of people what they're beginning to do is they're using the church platform to get their business and exposure and there's nothing wrong with that but that's not really the biggest the goal church doesn't exist to promote person's business as much as to empower the businessman and the businesswoman and the business whatever it is a so small or big has to be used to promote the kingdom of god and to promote jesus and to invite people to church and so we have to have the proper perspective because i started to notice that even on the on the tables now people come in they leave their business cards and then everything and there's nothing wrong with that but as further as we're going we don't want the church to become a platform where people come in to quickly spark their business we want the church to be the businessman his mind him and her are number one priority to empower not just necessarily give his business or her business exposure I wanted to also just kind of challenge us in here and and everyone who is watching us right now to uh, you know when Donald Trump became president one of his slogans is uh, to buy American hire American I wanted to encourage our people as well to begin to um, use businesses from the church give them a shot especially those people who are starting out. If you need photography, take the people who you know that do photography, real estate, um, accounting, construction and others. Give them a shot at least once. Why? Because by this you're helping them. And when you uh, use the business from the church, don't expect a discount because you know them. Many times when we go in and we secretly, we're like, well, we're going in. And the reason why we're going to a local business or we hire somebody is like, because we're running low on funds and we're thinking the good spirit of the living God is going to remind them how broke we are so he can help us. Um, the, the example that me and my wife really started to live is that if we go to someone from our church, we try to uh, tip more than usual. I remember I, I got a haircut from one of the ladies and stuff. And so I think the haircut was 20 bucks and the tip was 50 well I'm not gonna go there again because I don't have enough tips for that next time and stuff and so but even same thing when it comes to pictures when it comes to if we use someone else's business we don't see that as I want to get a discount as much as I want to leave a tip to bless them if you are doing a business for someone from the church remember this if you exceed that expectation you gain a customer if you do a sloppy crappy job the best they will offer is not to talk crap about you if they're christian many times people don't do a really good job especially when it comes to business because they feel like well my heart is in the right place well your hands are also in your pocket and stuff so they're not doing a great job and because they're not doing a great job something begins to happen and so then they complain when people leave them and they go for someone else because the job was not done well something that we have to learn as Christians and I think this also applies to us as a church this applies to us as even to me as as a ministry the way we do our stuff We live in a world today where 80% of people will believe the rating on Yelp as much as they will believe their best friend's opinion about a particular place or a restaurant. Within 48 hours of some experience, either at a restaurant or any kind of business, people quickly vent their frustrations within 48 hours on social media. You and I do that now. Every business that we go in, we first check on the rating we check on the comments, we check on the review. And this what we have to start remembering is that the quality, the things that we do, if we do an awesome job, the next thing that happens is that it begins to create a momentum. If we do a, a poor job, it begins to drive people away. Even when we did a Race to Deliver conference, and there were some things that we did, we met with our team, that we did a, not a great job. And some things and we said next time we're going to change it well the problem is that for some people there will be no next time because they're not coming again and not only they're not going to come again but they're going to send a word that is not going to be very pleasant for us I've noticed that sometimes in relationships with our work there are moments and people where what we do can take us to another level or what we do can bring us down so low that we will have a hard time bouncing from that uh, for me, uh, it, when I was 17, it was at the church in Bethania, over here in East Pasco. I was invited to speak, and in front of a church is about, uh, I think, 20 churches at the time. I was 17 years of age. The service went for two hours, and everybody was distracted. I mean, there was, there was, there was just a mess there at that time and stuff. So Sister Adlita invited me to preach, and then they asked me after two hours to get up and preach. And, uh, and I had an opportunity to, to speak there. And I remember when I got up there, and because I preached only for 15 minutes, and then we had about an hour and a half prayer, people got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was one of those really, really powerful services. Because I was given that opportunity, That was never given opportunity before like this in a Hispanic culture, and I did it well, of course, to the power of the Holy Spirit, but there was a part in me that also did well. From that time on until today, I get invites because of the exposure that I received now about 13 years ago just today I received an invitation to go to Wapato some youth rally to speak there because of that invitation the other time I had once when we were in Seattle 600 youth gathered and uh, it was a snowy day it was my biggest audience at the time I was just got married we're going to Seattle and uh, I was still struggling with my insecurities a little bit and the pastor drove from tri cities to Seattle because he wanted to be very proud of me how awesome I preached. And so before the service, you know, he came kind of like, you know, how a trainer does before the boxer kind of stirs him up. You can do this. And so, and I'm over there like already not sure what I'm going to preach about, having my little moment of crisis and everything. And so a pastor comes before worship and he tells me what I need to preach and everything. And I'm like, already, so confused. And then he comes in, you know, and that confusion, I just go from confusion to going to like chaotic confusion. To that point where I've never spoken to that many churches, Russian churches gathered in Seattle in my life. There were 600 people, different churches gathered. This was their first year anniversary. Great exposure. I get up there and I spoke for 15 minutes. It wasn't because the power was there. I was literally almost crapped in my pants. I got off the stage, literally just dropped, just the thing, walked off the stage, and that's it. I I don't know what happened to me. And I knew, I blew it. I knew this, I mean, I just wasted my opportunity. And I remember we got home next day, pastor called me. He's He's like, what the heck is wrong with you? He's like, what did you just do? He's like, did you know that this opportunity comes very few times in your life and you squandered it? He said, after that, he says, you might never get this opportunity again. And he was right. For years, everything was the same after that. When it comes to the outside exposure. And I've learned there are people that come to do work with you or business with you. Or there are situations or places that sometimes you have to go extra mile just because what you do to them or what you do with them, literally, everyone else will be just normal. But if you give them extra or you give them extra deal or something, next thing that happens is they'll take you to another level. It happened to me once at G4T when uh, I was asked to do at the main conference and the most important service, which was Saturday night, I was asked to do an offering word. I mean, who remembers offering words? I mean, they're very easy to forget. And I had an offering word about the donkey. And uh, it was one of the best offering words in my life. And so after that, it was an offering word. After that offering word, invitations started to come into California. And this is where I kind of went into to Cali and so many other places. And, and then next time, I was asked to do a little session. The day after the uh, next time, I had to do a main session. And next time, you know, take over for our good uh, friend Nathan Morris uh, or Norris and stuff. And things started to shift. I tell always uh, people who start out in their business, um, bless the pastors. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna stay straight up, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Give good deals to people who have influence. Why? Because you need to get exposure for your business more than an extra $100. And if you do something really good, and you give them, they will never stop talking about you, to other places. I remember when once I think Eder uh, took pictures uh, of me and Lana, and he wanted to just kind of volunteer. He's like, hey, I just wanted to bless you guys and stuff, and so. And uh, and next thing that happened is that ever since then, he doesn't know how many people I sent actually his way. How many people that i talked to and i was like listen uh, some people i convinced them they need to take pictures they're like no we don't need to. i'm like no you need to i'm like this this it's once a year if you don't do that your marriage is going to suffer and stuff so and uh, and people actually start going in to him and start taking pictures and partially is because he sold that into me this happened to one lady on um and we don't i can pay that's not the problem it's just what it does is there are some people that have influence that if you do that you don't even have to tell them hey go talk to other people they will start going literally to another level we had a lady uh, who does facial from our church she has her own business and so uh, she texted me she said I wanted to bless your wife with uh with the facial and stuff and so I thought facial I mean why would you want anybody touch your face and stuff and so on Wednesday my wife goes in there to do the facial and uh, she comes back you know afterwards and she's literally she's like a cloud nine so happy. She said, this is the most amazing place. And my, I mean, my face is so, I mean, this is, how, if, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to look like her in, in this many years. We're going on a date, literally half of the date. She's telling me how, if I ever want to buy her a gift, you know, this is the place to do it. It's in that place. It's a hundred dollars, not big. And so, and this is how you have to do it. And I'm thinking, I'm like, if a business is good and you touch somebody who has a sense of a little influence, next thing that happens is it can go to completely, completely different level. If your only goal is to always just squeeze a buck out of every single person, you may end up with a buck, but no exposure. There are some places that we go to, some things that we do, that we do only for the exposure, not necessarily for the profit. A few things that I've I've learned uh, just about my personal finances. One of uh, the The first one that was most important is to listen to the Holy Spirit. To listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the greatest advisor when it comes to how finances and the season that you are in. The season that someone else is in, might not work for you. The Holy Spirit is the one that knows your season. The Holy Spirit will tell you when your brook is dry, when it dries up, whether you should pray for the water to come back or to go to the widow's house. The holy spirit will guide you in your seasons the biggest problem that people have is when they begin to follow what someone else is doing in that particular business and they begin to think that just because it works for them it will work for me but the problem with the people who are doing many of them they're actually allowing the holy spirit to lead them into that and instead of imitating their obedience to the holy spirit we imitate them like Pharaoh followed Israel into the red sea but see Israel went to the red sea because the God was leading them Pharaoh went into the red sea because he was following Israel One of the biggest mistakes we can make is when we don't have a personal relationship with Holy Spirit, then we blindly begin to follow those that follow the Holy Spirit in the area of our finances. And this is what we usually find out. It works for them. We did exactly the same thing, but we got burned. You have to get to know Holy Spirit to that degree where you sense this is where He's leading you. And where seasons change and you don't freak out. When the brook dries up, means one source of income is beginning to dry up and it begins to drive you crazy because, or the income is still there, but it's just you have no peace whatsoever. Literally, a day ago, it, it was just like this was from God, this was supplying your needs. Now it stopped. The manna fed you 40 years, you woke up next day, no manna. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you'll be praying for manna, and if you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you'll be getting ready to conquer Jericho. Holy Spirit is the one who will help you when seasons shift and seasons will always shift. There will be times you will be investing into one thing and literally you will just wake up in the morning, you will sense that manna ceased. You will sense that brook dried up and because we have the Holy Spirit, when brooks dry up, the river is still flowing because Holy Spirit is the river. Many people who don't have the river, their brook dries up, they dry up. They don't know what to do. And the Bible says when the brook dried up in Elijah's life and the Lord spoke and said, go to there and there, go to a widow's house. The widow, you know, how could she supply? But see, when the Holy Spirit guides you, yeah. even if it doesn't make sense, you will begin to see miracles in that very area where He is beginning to guide you. The number one principle, that's why we need to develop a not just prayer where you get up, but you walk around and you Listen to the Holy Spirit and you wait for that moment where He speaks. And I share kind of how it happened uh, about three years ago. We were I was in Ukraine on the fourth summit, the uh, fourth dimension summit in Montian's, uh, Montian's thing. It was uh, Andre uh, from Massachusetts and a few other guys there. I couldn't sleep. It was a jet lag. It was the first night. at Two to three in the morning listening to a message by Muntian. And as I'm listening, just Holy Spirit, something else about like commitment to God. And like I'm just really being touched by God and just crying there by myself in the room. I sit on that window, like 25th floor or something, watching the city. I still remember that, that picture and I feel strongly in my heart. At that time, uh, we were we were having, uh, living in our second duplex. And um, and actually, no, at that time, we already lived in this house. And I feel strongly in my heart to get rid of both of the duplexes and completely walked away from real estate and uh and i'm sitting i'm like well it's giving me good money and uh, i like it it has some plus it's getting better i'm like this is not a good idea and but i feel strongly the first rental in one year the second rental in the other in the other year and then what happens is that i come back home and i tell my wife i'm like maybe we need to get rid of uh sell it and we need to give a certain percentage i already had the number for this and for this, and this is what God wants me to do so that we could focus only on the ministry and do what Jesus did when He says, my business is to do the Father's will. So that's us me my business. And so told her that, awesome idea, great. Until, you know, you have to do it. And so and remember we uh, decided to do it. That year, I started to watch the places I went to travel before. I always monitor how much they give me and I keep everything in the log. And I started to watch from that point on until the end of the year the travels that I started to take, money that came in from travels that year equaled to both of the rentals. I was shocked at the end of the year. So get rid of one rental. Then the next year, right before John Chi, which was last year, we get rid of second rental. And the interesting part is that the funds started to flow from another direction. Whereas before in the year from the travels that I would take, I preached the same sermons. I don't preach anything new, the same stuff and sometimes the same places at in a year you know it will be maybe two thousand dollars because it'll be hundred dollars there three hundred dollars there and right there when the season shifted and I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to lead, let that go and to go into this I started to notice where sometimes in the same places I would go in and they it happened a few times where they would fly me and my wife and it's a smaller group very small youth group where the church wasn't behind the event. It was just the youth group, which if you travel, you typically know that, you know, probably they did car washes, sold baked cookies, you know, and stuff, so that you will come there. And so me and my wife would fly there. We would stay in the hotel, you know, and after the event would be over, and literally we would be blessed sometimes with four, sometimes $5,000, where at the airport, we'll stand there like, you know, God doesn't do it. There's miracles because I know where I was before when the season shifted and how did it shift you're you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and sometimes you're sensitive when the brook dries up it was feeding you the ravens fed you for years and then the brook dried up but in that moment when you have the river the Holy Spirit speaks and you step in into that but the widow how could she feed me she ain't got anything of her own but the Holy Spirit if he guides you you will begin to see provision there sooner or later amen the second thing is to keep an emotionally and mentally prosperous soul. Emotionally and mentally prosperous soul. You have to have a mind and emotions prosperous. Prosperous. Actually, our soul cannot be prosperous if our mind is not renewed. Bible says "To be in good health and prosper as your soul prospers. How, how does that work practically? I'm going to share a little bit how that practically started to work with me is that when you take the information and the revelation and the teachings from other people and you begin to work with that and with holy spirit so that your mind begins to be renewed your mind begins to change when we gave our um, second vehicle away i remember there was this time on the morning prayer that i, I heard uh, kenneth Hagin, and he preached this message about uh, prosperity and kenneth Hagin has the uh, his whole theme was a uh, cadillac faith He's like, don't judge uh, my faith. I have a Catholic faith and you have a fourth faith. Fourth faith shouldn't judge a Catholic faith. And uh, it literally goes into the Catholic faith. He used a verse there. He says that when you come and repent before God in Isaiah. And God says, if you're willing and obedient, after you repent, you're willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. And Kenneth, uh, Kenneth, uh, Ko, uh, Kenneth Hagen said this. He said, the good of the land for me, He said, I'm an American. For me, the good of the land is Cadillac. He said, God said, after I repent, if I am willing and obedient, He said, I will eat of the good of the land. He says, if for you, in your mind, the good of the land is Ford, that's good. He says, that's your good of the land. When I heard that, it was in the gym. And that's right after that, we didn't have already a car. And the next day that I'm praying, and I started to, in my mind, I always wanted a a German car. It was a very secret thing. I didn't tell it to my dad, and uh, because uh, he was very assured that um, those cars are not for us, because <sighs> they're bad cars. Why they always break? And I mean, look at him. Look, his car always broke. That car, you know. And then, the, and he, and my dad had many testimonies. <laughs> How many curses these car have? And 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 then so and i'm there praying i remember this almost for three days in a row only one verse if i'm willing and obedient i'll eat of the good of the land and i secretly started to realize i had a little desire i mean i don't have a car at all now so i'm literally just need a bicycle or something but this secret desire that, that i wanted to drive a uh just just a, just a car of for me i wanted an audi and uh just 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 secretly that's it between me and God and so and I was suppressing that because this is not from God this is not from God because first of all I'm a pastor you know how dare am I going to drive an Audi when there are people you know who don't have shoes to wear you know and uh and then I start having these surface things that will show up poverty is a mindset it's not a financial situation you know how I know that because Jesus came to give good news to the poor not money If poverty would have been a financial situation, Jesus would have given them gold. Because he came to preach to the poor, that meaning that poverty has nothing to do with money, it has to do with the mindset. And so, and right there I started to surface and work with these fears that I had that God cannot, God is gonna be upset if I have a luxury, because the car is a necessity. I shouldn't aim for a luxury, but then the verse started going to into my mind if god was only concerned with necessities he wouldn't create lilies the bible says he clothes lilies of the valley if he would only be concerned with necessities then i have a problem with his first miracle because he did not create water he created wine it was not a necessity when people were dying out of cancer and that started to i started to work with my soul and realize that there is poverty there that's just filled with fears of other people and as wonderful as my parents were as great as they're but they knew that i had to start peeling that off and literally just taking that word that i created the lily of the valleys that i created the wine out of the water that i have created bread and then 12 baskets and i started to in my soul started to peel that off started to peel that off I'm um, lord i'm willing lord i'm obedient i do want the good of the land just i admit i do And uh, so I got that, that Audi and it started to have problems. It started to make a noise. I found out how I got tricked into that. Well, it was my mistake. I didn't take my dad when I was buying it. And just I realized if a Russian bought it from an auction and he's selling it and you don't know him, probably not a good idea, especially if he's from Portland. And so uh, it was, it was a bad, really, really bad deal. And uh, I'm not going to go into how bad it was but that was good for me because inside of me i was either going to be convinced your dad told you the right thing or i would be convinced the scripture is what i choose to believe and after that you know fixed the audi sold it and uh, you know i got a different german car because in my mind um i don't live to please people I don't drive something to reflect what I do at church. I drive something to reflect who has bought me with his precious blood. And sometimes I tell people, and if you're jealous, be careful because I'll give it to you. (laughs) So, but you have to emotionally peel off layers of fears given to you by your parents. Or growing up maybe only seeing people work in fields, or maybe growing up seeing not enough. Or growing up, you have to begin to peel these lies. That but 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 if I do that, you know, should spend more on the poor. The only person who said that in the Bible was Judas, who didn't care about the poor. Don't 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 allow these lies. Do not hate poor rich people. Do not have this prejudice. Oh, if they're rich, they must lie. Or they must remove those lies because these things make your soul poor. And Jesus, what he does to poor people? He doesn't give them money. He gives them teaching. If you reject his teaching, meaning his word. You reject His opportunity to change you on the inside. Thus changing your circumstances. Amen. And uh, the the third thing, and I want to come to prayer, is to develop new skills. To develop new skills. The Bible says the gift of a man will put him in front of the kings. means if you have a gift that you're born with, you're going to stand before the kings. That's the gift. But if you develop a skill, you'll become a king. David had anointing of God but the Bible says when he stood before Saul it says this about David he was good-looking okay that was a gift that wasn't a skill sort of can't develop that the Bible says that he was prudent in speech nobody is born with a great communication you can be born with good voice but prudent in speech that means David somewhere practiced his speech when he stood in front of Saul, he could speak to the highest man in power and debate and negotiate and convince him that his armor is not going to fit him. If you stumble, stutter and mispronounce, you won't, you're will not you going to be thrown out of there. He had a speech. He had a good speech. The Bible says David was skillful in music. Nobody's born playing music. We can have certain inclination toward that. That means somewhere he learned how to play instruments the Bible says he was violent he was uh, he was a militant man that means he had a practice oh no he had no military experience but he had practice in throwing stuff hitting the bullseye the Holy Spirit wasn't just directing that stone the Holy Spirit might have pushed the speed of that stone but it was David's practice and the Bible says and the Lord was with him he did not get into the kingdom by becoming a king. He got into the kingdom because he had a good skill of throwing stones. After that, he got a position in a in a court because he had a musical gift. He got hired as a musician, though he was called to be a king. And then he got called in again as a general, though he was called to be a king. I want you to see that he camped in the court for a very long time, going from one job position to another, from one to another, because he was skilled in all of them, though his real calling was to be a king. The mistake many times we make is when we have a real calling, for example, to be a CEO of a particular company, or we, have a, we really feel like we're going to be a pastor, or we really feel like we're going to make a lot of money in this area. And instead of developing our throwing the stones and how to play balalaika, instead of our developing prudent speech instead of developing other skills on the side and start going into that field not as a king but as a musician not as a king but as a sling thrower where you need the skills for that you don't just need oh this is what mama gave me and I don't have anything else no you need to also do something grow your skill set because as you grow your skill set this is what begins to happen that opens the door and unlocks your destiny and then you climb the ladder into that kingdom that you were called into you know for me to be in the position even in the church that I am in today it didn't start like that it started with just simple, simple things, uh, you know, kind of assisting. Our, well, still do uh, our pastor and what he said I would do, and then uh, go from one thing to another, practicing with this, practicing with that, practicing with this, practicing with that, and next thing that happens, yeah, even led worship that's why our church wasn't growing and stuff so but and then you know from from this skill to another skill the media things and other things and now you know we have a social media presence you know that's so much bigger than than anything else and partially because I had to develop a lot of skills personally and next thing that happens is that my real calling is that which the Lord has given me but before you get to that you have to also develop skills I mean look at Joseph Joseph has a gift to translate dreams he has this whole gift with dreams he gets a dream from God well his dreams kind of took really long and I love Joseph that he doesn't have a dream being fulfilled he goes in and translates other people's dreams and Pharaoh gets a dream he goes in and translates Pharaoh's dream on the spot and the moment he finishes the dream I want you to see what Joseph does he translates the dream and he says by the way Pharaoh I'm gonna give you something Um, you need to find a position you need to find a higher man so he right away creates a job description and creates a job position that didn't even exist prior to him. He says you need to get a man and this is what this man, he already gives Pharaoh a job description for that man. He says he needs to collect this amount of percentage of the profits for this amount of years, for this amount of reasons. He literally gives him the whole thing. See, because he translated the dream, Pharaoh would have given him freedom from prison. But after the dream, which is what God gave him, Joseph who had a lot of management experience because he was managing as a slave, he was managing as a prisoner. When you get that kind of a skill, you develop a manager's part. So when he looks at a situation, he doesn't wait for his opinion to be even asked. He throws in his management skill out there. And Pharaoh says, since you created the job and gave a description, why don't we just hire you? So he went from not just being, see, His gift would have got him out of prison, but his skill put him in the prime minister's office. It's your skills that you develop, not the gifts you receive, that will really unlock your destiny. It will get you, the gifts God has given you in the area of business, in the area of things, they will get you out of the poverty. But only the skills you develop will throw you and thrust you into prosperity. And those are the things that many times we are lazy about that's getting extra classes that's getting some books that's going and learning from other people literally instead of watching tv to start watching videos that will help you to advance in that thing you have to grow your skill set otherwise you're going to be only out of prison but the dream inside to be in the palace is only for those who can on the spot joseph didn't sleep over it think about it he just heard the dream he translated on the spot he did the math on the spot, he did the calculation. On the spot, he created every single thing right there. And because of that, he got hired as a prime minister. And so just wanted to encourage um, just each one of us, and this is myself included, is that we never stop growing. We never stop growing. Stocking cannot kind of today with with Ili and even with Martin. Is that ever since the beginning of this year, I started to realize that for me to grow as a, as a person, as a Christian, and as a follower of Christ, and as a pastor, I have to invest into that. If I wait for my schedule to clear and my schedule to grow me, that's never gonna happen. And so if I think that I'm gonna be from, ch- from church from nine o'clock till 9 p.m. and just active, being active doesn't mean being productive. And just because i'm active that doesn't mean and i'm busy answering the phone calls running around different things and i get up on the stage god's anointing is not gonna move just because i was busy god's anointing will only move if i was proactive and if i was investing my best time in the things that matter the most and so i started to become also very strategic in my prayer first is my commitment just dead commitment to prayer but the second one is that you know that i do my church work try to come a little bit earlier now than, than nine after prayer and get all the stuff done as much as i can Um, and after lunch literally three to four hours glue my eyes to a tv screen testimonies sermons testimonies sermons it's it's hard because i want to do something you know i feel like i'm wasting my time and stuff because i want to grab a vacuum or something sweep or something because you know it's like it's like an attic (laughs) because you can't you feel like you're wasting your time and so and i've really just kind of like i made a promise to myself that if i inside of me something doesn't stretch anointing of the holy spirit can't go further and pastor is always the one that kind of drilling me about this he said he said everything else is important but he says your spirit this is where you this is where the anointing of the holy spirit is and it's not just watching junk because you know it's possible to just glue yourself to tv and watch and it's funny how you can watch literally blacklist non-stop for 12 hours or you know and then you try to watch you know deliverance for five minutes and literally demons start tormenting you like twisting something is itching i need something and so i started the first few few days i literally was tormented i'm sitting there and i'm like grabbing my computer and, and i was like okay but julie's doing the rest of this the, all of the work that i used to kind of do i need to find something to do and so i was really and then repenting and so i started to really stretch my skill set to in this for me my skill set is my spiritual sensitivity and understanding the spiritual things that when i get up on the stage that i'm a fearless like a lion whether it's the most richest man in true city sit here or that my biggest critic sits here i don't that i don't see nobody only see one thing there are demons there is hell there is heaven and i'm the lion that's it i only see like a lion that only sees prey and that's it there's something inside that is different and stuff and that doesn't happen because i'm born like that it doesn't happen because my pastor places a hand on me and says, receive or Muntian or Benny or anybody that happens because of what you feed yourself with. And so, but to do that, you have to understand a few things. If you waste your time on social media or pointless stuff, you won't have time to develop yourself. Yes. So one of the things you will have to do to do that, you're going to have to squeeze that the work you do you actually do work because many times we come into work and we just kind of like talk to everybody just kind of do everything all of this stuff the work is not done we don't have time to develop ourselves but we stayed very active and at the end nothing is productive so when I work I work no social media nothing this 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 phone calls and I'm done and that's it when the work is done and now let's do the developing so I started to like deleted uh, the social media out of my phone still keep the the public page on my phone but even canceled uh, most of it uh, same thing with even with the tv shows and with movies really reduced it to just enough so that i don't lose touch with the uh, with the world um just a little bit once in a while and so um uh, really reduced and same thing started to even just dis- remove my phone from my uh, daily addiction and stuff so to put to put it to begin to put it aside so that so that this year i want our church to grow but I want me to grow because i have noticed even when our youth group grew it's because i grew and stuff i can't expect our church to grow if i'm not growing in my depth in my relationship with god and depth in my knowledge of the spiritual world and my my sharpness when it comes to that and so and i challenge you in your area i know a lot of you guys do that i really challenge you throw out the non-essentials god already has given you time the only problem is you fill it with the stuff that does not matter don't prioritize your schedule schedule your priorities prioritizing your schedule is bad because your schedule is sometimes bad our schedule just literally has everything there and anybody who's lazy throwing their stuff into our schedule and so when you prioritize your schedule you're just literally running like this you put priorities in your schedule first and everything else will fade away learn to say no and learn to delegate You don't have to answer every single thing and you don't have to show up to every single event or every single party. Your personal development, developing your skills is the most important this year. If you want your business to grow, you have to grow. You will say, but I'm too busy doing that. Give most, uh, uh, what's his name, John Maxwell said, if somebody can do 60% of what you're doing, delegate it to them. You delegate it to them and that you stay sharp. Because if your mind gets new ideas, your business will reach new heights if your mind gets new ideas your finances will go to a new level if your mind is just simply micromanaging every single thing you are cluttered and we stay on the same level this you know applies to me as a a minister this applies to us as people who are in business or do things on the side amen and so i want us right now to take a moment and to just pray for the financial situation um, of people that come to our church I want us to pray right now that this will become a place of miracles in the area of finances. I want us to pray that when people go fishing, that they don't just find fish, they find gold. And and like Jesus, when he sent Peter fishing, typically you go get fish. And many people will just get a job, but they don't just get job, but they get business, that they get opportunities, and they get things from heaven through that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want us right now to just rise to feet. Let's listen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.